Welcome to the ABR podcast, where some of Australian book reviews contributors discuss major issues or read their reviews and creative writing. My name's Georgina Arnott, and I'm the assistant editor at ABR. If you enjoy these podcasts, think about subscribing to the magazine. Those 25 and under can do so for as little as $25 for the online version, or $60 for print plus online. Greetings, podcast listeners. My name is Christopher Menz, and I lead the ABR Cultural Tours, which we present in association with Academy Travel. In October 2023, we will lead a 12-day tour of Vienna. This will take in the spectacular collections of the Habsburgs, the musical heritage of Haydn, Mozart and Beethoven, and the striking modernist architecture of the city. Vienna, where we will be based throughout the tour, is an ideal city for an extended stay, and the program has been designed to make the most of its many attractions. Several musical performances will feature in the program. Full details are available from the Academy Travel website. In December 2022, the Art Gallery of New South Wales launched its Sydney Modern Project, the centrepiece of which is a new building overlooking Sydney Harbour. The new building is connected by a public art garden to the existing Art Gallery of New South Wales. Sydney Modern, as it's already known, has received mixed reviews, some lamenting that it seems to have been designed as a sheet backdrop for Instagram selfies. In this week's ABR podcast, Julie Ewington describes her first encounters with Sydney Modern. Julie is an arts writer, curator, broadcaster and former Head of Australian Art at the Queensland Art Gallery. This is Julie Ewington. Sydney Modern, a glorious new building at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Nearly three months has passed since the new building at the Art Gallery of New South Wales opened on the 3rd of December. This summer, Sydney Modern, as the new North Building is popularly known, has been Sydney's main attraction and topic of conversation. Critical opinion has been mixed about the building by Japanese firm Sana, and Sydney's famous snippiness, one version, I think, of the national tendency to doubt our achievements, has been in overdrive. But the public response is clear. Hundreds of thousands have visited the gallery to take in the building, to view its first exhibitions, and to revel in the renewal of the gallery's much-loved old buildings. It's been a triumph. Sydney Modern is now a city landmark. It is, quite simply, glorious. Sana's Pritzker Prize winners, Kazuo Sejima and Ryue Nishizawa, have given the city an exceptionally beautiful setting for its contemporary cultural life, which responds to, and I think respects, the ancient significance and historical inflections of the site. A series of intersecting pavilions seem to float down the slope from Art Gallery Road to the harbour, all lightness and air on four physical levels and in curvilinear natural forms that have been described as informal, to quote architect Anthony Burke. In fact, this palpable solid building does conform to a complex geography whose very different logic from the post and lintel architecture of the older art gallery buildings, whether classical or modernist, is immediately apparent. To underscore the point, at the threshold of the new building, giant playful blue figures 
by New Zealand artist Francis Euprichard cavort and clutch at the columns of the Welcome Plaza. This is a clear invitation. Leave your preconceptions at the door. Inside, the diagonal descent through four levels from bright light into what will eventually be Stygian darkness is centred around a great void. The core of the building is space, more or less vertical, airy space. It's lyrical, diaphanous and intersected horizontally by the enormous galleries. This is a very bold solution to an extremely difficult site. I keep searching for a vegetal analogy for the structure. The lateral relationships and the ways the galleries and external terraces come off the central core seems like lily pads, perhaps, coming off a rhizomatic stalk, but actually that's not really how it is. Despite the immense complexity of the shapes and volumes of Kazuma Sejima's building, and she was the lead architect, Sejima-san is the lead architect here, Despite its immense complexity and the impossible grandeur of the three-storey volume at the heart of her building, it is remarkably immediately legible. There is an unforgettable moment on arrival when the entire gallery lies before and below one, when one sees at a glance how it's structured and where the main destinations are located. This instant intelligibility, this accessibility, is fundamental to a successful public building. It welcomes everyone. It shows in its very structure that the gallery is for everyone in every way. This attitude drives each aspect of the project, which is expressed here in the making of the building. It runs through everything that the Art Gallery of New South Wales is doing. Art museums are one of the contemporary world's great meeting places. They are free, mostly unscheduled, engaging and relatively COVID safe. And the Art Gallery's frank embrace of this function is evidently meeting a huge need. The social value of the reconfigured gallery's two buildings is immense. Art for all, say the gallery's Royal Blue Street banners, and this promise is kept from the minute one steps into the building. This is an emotional tone that's underscored by Sejima's use of lovely, warm materials, which are simultaneously elegant and relaxed. The flesh pink screen around the shop was commissioned from surfboard manufacturers on Sydney's northern beaches. A magnificent rammed earth wall is offset with Portuguese limestone, the colours soft, slightly golden. This apparent casualness allows careful management of the enormous spaces. Despite summer days when 18,000 people poured in and queues formed for some displays, the building never seemed overcrowded. That is the point of the huge interior volume. Traffic management is as much about the sense of space as luxury to be freely enjoyed as it is about practicalities. The transits down the escalators are not only physical then, they are emotional. A clear statement of this determined inclusivity runs through the content of the first installations in both buildings. Importantly, Indigenous Australian art is foregrounded with the placement of the Yerubana Gallery at the moment of arrival in the Sinai building, the only art on that level, and it is everywhere integrated in displays in both buildings. 
Work by Women is now a focus, with the gallery honouring its commitment to gender parity across collections, commissions and exhibitions. And an innovative conception of the relationship between Australian and international artists is manifested throughout, perhaps most strikingly in the old South Building, where historical international and Australian collections are shown together for the first time, a very welcome innovation. In the new North Building, with its focus on the contemporary, I see a distinct preference for art from the Southern Hemisphere, from New Zealand, the Pacific, South Africa, and from Asia. This is a truly global conception of contemporary art. In the magnificent exhibition Dream Home, Stories of Art and Shelter, for instance, we see commissioned works by Los Angeles artist Samara Golden, alongside collaborative work by the Filipino-Australian duo Alfredo and Isabel Aquilizan, and these are together with major collection works by the British artist Phila de Barlow and the commissioned work from Maori artist Michael Parakofi. The exhibition's provocative title, Whose Dream Home Is It, After All, In the Suburbs, In a New Country, this speaks to the gallery's commitment to contemporary question. This commitment runs through the splendid outlaw, featuring video works in a specially equipped gallery. These spring from Chinese drawn martial arts narratives and centre on how it sees terrific five-channel retainers of anarchy. Not all displays are equally successful, of course, and it will take time for the gallery to settle into this new home and to explore its challenges and possibilities. At the moment, to be honest, the galleries are often crammed full manifesting the urgency with which the new building has been awaited. Look, all new art museums are overhung, always. Finally, the lowest level of the building, the tank, built in 1942 as wartime maritime fuel storage. It was extraordinary good fortune to be able to incorporate the tank into the north building it is exactly the sort of resonant industrial setting that today's artists crave for installation. The passion for frisson between contemporary art and obsolete settings may change, of course, or fade away. But this 2,200 square metre space, now featuring a fantastical subterranean world by Argentinian-Peruvian Adrián Villarrojas, is reconfigurable for annual ephemeral projects. It is an unexpected gift, this space, from the past to the future. Let's return to the light-filled upper floor of the North Building to address a few of the canard art cracking around the Art Gallery of New South Wales this summer. One opinion says that the new building is all entertainment, that there is not much additional space for art. Nonsense. This is nonsense. Exhibition space is nearly doubled, from 9,000 to 16,000 square metres. And there's a 1,300 square metre room in the new building, which will be used first for temporary exhibitions when the Louise Bourgeois opens next summer, that is, I believe, the largest in any Australian art museum. I suspect the sheer size of the building has led some to mistake the scale of its huge rooms. To wit, Suja Kim's participatory archive of mind, a work from 2016, is given the luxury of one gigantic room for a single work. And one more measure, floor space for 20th century art in the older South Building has doubled. 
this reconfiguration has ensured huge visitation. That said, the architect Naomi Stead, writing in the Saturday paper, is correct. The huge circulation spaces are for parties and being seen and Instagramming. That's exactly the point. They are for public use in all its contemporary forms. And while there's been a lot of talk about the availability or not of harbour views, the new building is not actually a harbour viewing platform. Instead, Sana offers a series of conceal and reveal moments that promise with and flirt and eventually reveal the glory of Sydney Harbour to the north as one transits through the building. Finally, the exterior terraces are revealed as park-like spaces for public use day and night with those spectacular views. The Sydney Modern Project has, as the Art Gallery of New South Wales claims, transformed the older South buildings with beautiful work there by Sydney firm Tonkin Zuleika Greer Architects. In the project, the Sydney Modern Project has renovated the offering spread between the two buildings. Taken as a whole, the gallery's campus provides the full range for the Contemporary Art Museum. Galleries, including huge reconfigurable spaces, but also film and lecture theatres, spaces, performance and music, function and members' rooms, cafes and terraces, and what is undoubtedly the country's leading art library, complete with a dedicated children's library. Each function is enabled by specific architectural settings, which is one way to look at the relationships between the principal building campaigns at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Each moment is recognised, each moment is preserved. There are three distinct museum moments here. The grand old courts at the turn of the 19th century, 1970s brutalism for modern art in Andrew Anderson's cookwing, and the floating spaces of Sarnar's building for the multiple art forms in the future museum. All are respected, which is why I prefer the buildings being completely separate in the end. While cross-references between historical holdings in the South Building and contemporary works in the North are continually made, each building manifests a particular moment in the development of the Art Museum. By May 2023, the two buildings, and indeed the entire site, will have been linked when Wiradjuri and Gamilaroi artist Jonathan Jones' Indigenous Art Garden, titled Bial Guiunyo, the fire is not yet lighted, will have been completed. At the moment, it is still under construction, so expect an update then. Above all, the Art Gallery of New South Wales has made bold choices. To welcome all, to respect the past while welcoming the future, to recognise that the gallery sits on Gadigal land and to be conscious of that legacy and responsibility to actively address social issues, current social issues, and to engage a firm of Japanese artists to build its new future-facing building in the country's largest Asian-Australian city. This is a defining moment in Australian art museum history on many levels. Thanks for listening to the Australian Book Review podcast. Join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to ABR? Subscriptions start from just $10 a month for full digital access. 
visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Stacey Chan, who edits the podcast, as well as our contributors who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.